is John Ubaldi with Ubaldi Reports. With me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Bitts. And it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, Joe. So how's everything going? Great, John. How are you? I'm doing good. I got off work today, so it was a long day, nine and a half hours. I came to a, a correlation on something, and I thought, uh, I'd like to get your insight there, is that there is definitely a shortage of not jobs, but people fulfilling those jobs. And I think a lot of people are looking at those jobs. Why aren't they being filled? Uh, des- businesses are in desperate need of employees. But what is your take on the whole idea? Why do you think that these businesses aren't getting the employees that they need? It's a combination of things. One is demographical changes. The other one is... Well, hold on one second. When you go to say demographical changes, what do you mean by that? People are now able to work from home. People are doing other things because they've got some of their stimulus money. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. The other part of it is, this is, we're looking at not just Florida, but we're looking at it across the country. Some of the schools are shut down and typically the mother or females are the primary caretakers of children. Uh So if you're a single mother, you have no choice but to stay home and take care of your child because you're not in person learning in school. I have a brother who has two, three children in California. They are in a hybrid learning model. Like they only go in a couple hours, I think twice a week. So that's not really, so somebody's got to stay home. Now he has a stay, um, his wife is a stay at home mom. But I have friends who are single moms, and if they had to stay home, like a friend I had here in Florida, luckily she lives here because her kids are his. Her son is in school now, but when the pandemic first hit, she had to leave her work because there was no one to take care of her son while he was at home. Okay. So you got that part. Then you got some people are still afraid of getting the COVID at work. But the other thing is, it seems to be the main driver is the extended unemployment benefits that was given by the states and the federal government. So a lot of the people who lost their job, especially in the service sector industry, they took a beating. And when they lost their job, they filed for unemployment. They were receiving a generous unemployment from the the state and the federal government. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty much making more than they would when they were working before. So I can't I can't 100 percent agree with that. I do believe maybe it's somewhat, would you say, demographical? It was demographical. But so going into maybe my correlation is that a lot of the jobs, Chick-fil-A being one that hires young people to work the counter and also work the back. There's a lot of cashiers, even fast food industry, Walmart that falls along under the cashier. And I think these would be considered from certain perspectives, entry-level jobs. If you're looking to get that job, like my entry-level job was a dishwasher at a pizza place. And then eventually another entry-level job I had when I was younger was a cashier at a grocery store. So I think the correlation between schools being closed, also colleges giving them the option of remote learning versus in-person learning as is what's really affecting the jobs or the lack of employment or the lack of employees, I should say. Most of the job. Okay. When the, the unemployment report came out for May, just a week ago, it showed a lot of hiring was done in service sector. Mm-hmm. Service sector took a beating, but there are many, if you look around town, you'll see a, almost every restaurant has a sign out saying oh. health wanted. So a lot of people 
demographical, just maybe not want to go back to the same job they were having before. And there's this fight about paying. If you look at Joe Biden last month, when they were that issue came up because of the unemployment, the April job numbers were very dismal considering they were expecting almost a million jobs to be created and only 266,000 jobs were created. And he said, well, if businesses just paid a fair wage, they would be able to hire employees. Now I was Mm -hmm. watching the business channel this morning before I went off to work. And one guy said, yeah, we're paying well over 20, $25 an hour, but that's, it will not be sustained over time when the federal benefits run out, not just unemployment benefits, but the benefits businesses received from the CARE Act. Restaurants can't afford to pay somebody that high of a wage. Their margins are very thin. So like right now, the Bureau of Labor Statistics increased their job openings. Now there's about a little over 9 million, 9.2 million jobs open nationally. So We'll have to see how this plays out. And the labor participation rate for the month of May dropped. Mm -hmm. Instead of increasing people in the labor force, it's decreasing. More people are leaving the labor force. And then maybe just kind of dovetail or let's break off to another topic. So the immigration, it's been an issue for probably since the beginning, ever since Joe Biden was sworn in. Would you agree? No, I would agree. But it also started, Donald Trump had his issues with immigration in 2017, 18, 19. There was fits and starts. Some of the things he wanted to do were very controversial. Over time, he cut the number of immigrants coming to, especially illegal immigrants, coming to the United States, especially from those in Latin America. Now, through the 2020 presidential campaign, even starting in 2019, when they were all the candidates were ramping up, if you listen to the rhetoric, even at the first debate in June of 2019, every Democrat running for president stated as part of their health care plan, illegal immigrants would be included. Yeah. So then you go through, as time went on, even in 2017, Kamala Harris tweeted out, and I'll paraphrase what she said, but she basically stated, come all, come now, you're always welcome to come to America. So Joe Biden said he was going to reduce or get rid of everything that Donald Trump did. And what do you expect the people of Latin America to do? Yeah, They took the rush for the border. And especially with unaccompanied minors, they're allowed to stay. So once they are allowed to stay, especially if you have a, a family unit, they're allowed to stay. So that sends word back, oh, we're coming to America because we get to stay. Yeah. And then, so it's been an ongoing crisis since probably since January. And Biden has tasked Kamala Harris with the whole, you're handling this whole border situation and stuff like that. And she finally went to Guatemala uh, a few days ago. And how did that turn out? From a public relations standpoint, it was an utter disaster because there was, she then gets up and does a press conference and stated to the people of the Northern Triangle, which is Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, and lesser degree, Caragua, don't come. If you come, you won't be able to stay. Well, that contradicts everything that the Biden administration was doing. You had for the month of May, over almost close to 200,000 illegal immigrants were coming to America. That's the ones they know about. So she goes and gives this press conference, and she hasn't been to the border in almost 80, 90 days since she was tasked with this uh, being the border czar or to solve this. And now she there was a complaints about 
is she was she there for the border or was she there to go to the country of origin? So Lester Holt is a news recaster from or a news analyst from NBC asked her, are you going to the border? And she goes, we've been to the border. She Kamala Harris was referring to the Biden administration officials have been to the border. Mm -hmm. So Lester Holt pressed and goes, have you been to the border? I haven't been to Europe. What's your I don't know what this line of question it is. It was really a bad public relations move by her because you're the borders put in charge of this. And it's just so she goes to the border, said we got to stop that country of origin. And there was a columnist from the Wall Street Journal, a person named Maria Anastasio or Grady, and she wrote about and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden talk about the corruption in these northern triangle countries. But Kamala Harris met with the the former attorney general of Guatemala and the chief, the former chief judge of Guatemala. Both these individuals are facing corruption charges mm -hmm. in Guatemala now. What we found out also, a lot of the individuals coming to across the border are not just coming from the Northern Triangle. They're also coming from Venezuela and other parts of Latin America and the Caribbean. Now, the one question I would ask, Kamala, if you're all about ending corruption, and this would I would extend to President Biden when President Biden was then Vice President Biden under Joe Barack Obama opened up Cuba. And what that did, he got rid of the sanctions on Cuba and that allowed the Cubans to intensify sending his paramilitary forces and intelligentsia into Venezuela. Mm -hmm. So when people say, why isn't the Venezuelan military rising up against Maduro? Because they don't know who's who. Yeah. They've got family. So they caused a problem and they intensified it by their own actions. But no one seems to ask Joe, uh, President Biden, why did you support that? And why did you allow Cuba with no strings attached to send its paramilitary and intelligentsia into Venezuela to keep Nicolas Maduro in power? So this contributes it. And the one thing that's interesting, Joe, there was a guy named Harold Ford Jr. He's a Democrat, yeah. former Democrat from Tennessee. He was on Fox News last night and he was on a, a panel with a couple other pa panelists and he made a good point. He goes, we got to stop some of the problems in Latin America. But this is where I would bring up something to him. I understand you want to do that. And I would agree with you in principle. Mm -hmm. But how since John Kennedy became president in 1961 and he did his new frontier where he's talked about realigning everything domestically, but also foreign foreign affairs. We spent almost 50 billion dollars in the lot into these northern northern triangle countries. Yeah, they're still corrupt to this day. Yeah. So I, I would I don't think they're going to change either. No. And I would like to know how does Kamal you talk about ending corruption? How do you do that? How do you reinstitute the rule of law? Like we're used to, you met with the former attorney general and the chief judge. They're up on, they're facing corruption charges, denying people the rule of law, but you're meeting with them. So how do you square that? How do you do, how do you, how do you conduct economic opportunities? Where did all the money go that was sent to these Northern triangle countries? And you want to increase that. Well, I did, I did talk about this with you on the phone a couple earlier today, but I feel like we're being punished for the previous administration for some reason. If it was America that got put Trump in office. So now that we have an actual, I wouldn't say an actual politician, but a 
career politician back in there, it's almost like saying, this is what you get for the past four years. Like we're make, we're paying a penance for the previous administration. I think what the Democratic Party is doing, first of all, the Democratic Party has changed. They become more progressive than more moderate. Their moderates are being pushed out. Look how they treat Joe Manchin because he doesn't go along with their agenda, especially on the voting rights issue, Mm -hmm. that they make a label, this is for America, where it's really nationalizes the election system in the United States, which is a clear violation of Article 2 of the the U.S. Constitution. That said, I think what they're doing is they like in Europe, Joe, President Biden is in England right now, and he's going to be spending about a 10 day period throughout Europe, and he's going to eventually meet with uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin. So the progressives and Democrats want to show to Europe that, oh, this was an aberration of Donald Trump. It was an anomaly. So it's the same thing domestically. They just want to say this is an anomaly. We got to extricate ourselves from the persona of Donald Trump. And the mistake they're making is one New York Times and MSNBC columnist, she was offended by all the American flags she's seen in Long Island. Long Island is hard. Yeah, it's got Republicans, but it's hardly Trump bastion of an area. So they they trying to just say this was an anomaly, but they failed to realize why people got voted for Donald Trump. Now, it's not it's not that a lot of people like Donald Trump. They don't like his persona. They don't like his bombastic attitude. They think he's a narcissist and all the adjectives that go along with it. But what brought us to a Donald Trump? All the job like Joe Biden, his first official act, he cancels the Keystone XL pipeline. Hmm. Whose job was affected? It was not the college educated jobs. It was the non-college working class, the pipe fitters, the steel workers, the, the energy sector job. It's their jobs. Yeah. When they talk about trade deals, this is Republicans and Democrats. They're, when they sign these trade deals, their jobs go overseas. And Joe Biden, I'm picking on him, and the Republicans are equally as guilty. But the reason I'm picking on President Biden, because he's been in the Senate since 1973. He voted and supported every trade deal, every engagement with China that sent American jobs overseas. Is the president caving into like peer pressure from, say, the, the left and from the House and the Senate? No, I would agree. I would say yes, because he ran as a moderate and he was a moderate senator, leaned to the left, but he was a moderate senator. But now he's campaigned, I'm a moderate, but now he's running as a progressive. Even Ocasio-Cortez stated that we couldn't ask for anything more from the Biden administration. Look at his infrastructure. It's not an infrastructure package. It's a giveaway to every special interest. Most people think of infrastructures, bridge, rail, roads, and extended into broadband and internet support so everybody can dial up and get the internet. But now he's talking about childcare and all these other things and the taxes to pay for it is they're playing the class warfare thing. And then they're also pushing everything as a race issue, like voting rights. If you don't support this, you're a racist. If you don't support this issue, you're a racist. You're a racist. And even a lot of the minority communities are like, we're not going that direction. That's yeah. why four Republicans won in South Texas and one 
Republican candidate won the mayor's race in a city that hadn't voted for a Republican in decades. And that same district went was Hillary Clinton won by 40 percent. Now, what what city was that? I think it was McClellan, Texas. Okay. But don't quote me. I think it's McClellan, Texas. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you see that red wave that they're talking about? Is that going to is that going to happen or is that just I'm seeing rumblings, not just on the policies of the Democratic Party. But look at the issue that we've discussed many a few podcasts back is critical race theory. Yeah. Where you're either seen as a victim or an oppressor. And if you're white, you're an oppressor. And I think a lot of people are fighting back against that. A lot of the school districts are tired or want their curriculum to take that out. So you have that. And then you have look at the lockdowns of the school. If my brother, two brothers, wives are any indicator, they're not partisan. They don't really like politics. They don't talk about it, but they're so adamant that their kids be educated. And Mm -hmm. for a year and a half, they've been educated by Zoom. But yet the governor of California, his kids get to go to a private school and get in-person learning. So why is it his kids get a good education, but everybody else at public schools get what you can get? Is this the same governor? Is he opposed to charter schools? Most definitely. There's a bill going through the California legislature that would virtually overregulate charter schools out of existence. But yet he's cool with sending his kids to private school. Correct. And this is, but see, this angers people. Then you have the crime issue. You look at these cities are, the crime has just skyrocketed every day. It's like the latest death toll in like Chicago, Baltimore, St. Louis, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco. And there's a hidden rage that people don't feel safe. I think it was the FBI reported that there were over 3 million first time gun purchases, background checks, and half of those were women because they just don't feel safe. And a lot of African-American, the minority community also applied for gun permits because they don't feel safe. Because when you defund the police or re-alter the police, and when you change the, when DAs had gotten in with a very progressive agenda and not prosecuting crime, where does crime skyrocket in the communities that they intended to help so where does this like how why are the few having the loudest voice and the many are just being like pushed aside because i think the media in my opinion is very corrupt the media has become has lost sight of its ethics and journalism and if the listeners would go to the society of professional journalist ethics code you will see one of on the i think paragraph four states be impartial And if you go back to what we said about the origins of COVID, and there's a lot of circumstantial evidence, John Carl of CNN stated the reason we didn't believe the Republicans or President Trump because it came from them. Yeah. So he just explicitly said if a Republican or Donald Trump says something, it's got to be wrong. But they never questioned the origins, weren't even curious. What about the Russian collusion thing where the New York Times and the Washington Post both received the Pulitzer Prize in December 2018? And then four months later, Robert Mueller said there was no evidence that any American knowingly or unknowingly colluded with Russia. Now, you were talking about media. Why isn't the media even saying anything about Hunter Biden's, I guess it was his texts that were released? Yeah, there were some texts. Washington Examiner came out with some and texts were released that showed that Hunter Biden used the N-word 
repeatedly. Now think about this. How would this have looked if the shoe was, if the situation was flipped and that was Jared Kushner or Don Jr. used the N-word? Would the media been have been silent? Well, okay, can I examine a few things if I can? Yeah. All right, maybe because, first of all, the N-word was with an A, not an er. So would that maybe persuade you differently to say because like that it's so used as a term of endearment or what about the fact that it was between him and his lawyer so isn't there a kind of a lawyer client confidentiality so but even the text itself would be deemed we can't privilege communication okay but let's look at it this way they were released how would the situation have been different if that would have been Jared Kushner or Don Jr. saying? Would they have said that's uh, privileged communication between a lawyer and his client? No, they would, they, they they would, would have been, ex- they would have been hung for that. Exactly. And that's the point is there seems to be the media seems to be all in. Now, Ted Koppel, the longtime journalist, I think from ABC, was speaking to one of the analysts on from CNN, I know I always butcher his name, Brian Selter, Shelter, Selter or something like that. He told him back in 2018, he goes, what are you guys going to do when Donald Trump is no longer president? And he told the CNN president the same thing. They just said, no, people will always still follow the news. Their network is cratering because Joe President Biden is not doesn't produce any news. So who goes to a news site that is just so one-sided? And now that you're not covering Trump, why do I want to listen to CNN? Yeah. Talk about Kamala just for a bit. If she, because Biden said he's going to be a one-term president and she takes the reins from Biden, how do you see her succeeding at all as president? At this point, no, I don't. Because if she's doing, she wasn't, and I talked to a, f- a friend, Scott McDonald, about this. He was on our podcast last summer, and he's a demographer, spent many years in the media. And we talked at great length about this. Which, If you compare her to George Bush Sr., when he ran against uh, Ronald Reagan in 1980, Bush won a few primaries. Mm-hmm. Reagan just finally took off after that controversial debate where he said, through the mic, I'm paying for this mic. And that just propelled them. But Bush Sr. was a very capable individual. Kamala Harris, when she first announced, and there was a reporter from Axios stated that when she's scripted, she's on point. But when you start to ask her questions, she doesn't know anything. And I'm not saying she's not smart. I'm just saying she's lazy. She's gotten by that saying, I'm Kamala Harris. I'm a woman of color. And she doesn't study the issues. And I think she's going to be, if she has another one of these incidents, Democrats are going to have to think if she is it. So do you see like a a feeding frenzy when uh, Biden starts to vacate the, the office and kind of get ready for the next person to come in, whether it's Kamala, like, is he, is Kamala just going to get the the baton and just go? No. Or are they going to primary? Are they going to put like a primary her as well? I think that if she has more incidents like this, I even think even if she doesn't, I think she's going to get. They're only 140 days in. John. No, but I. But you got to remember, everybody looks to it. American seem politicians always look to the next election. So as we draw okay, next year, it's going to be all about the midterms. Will the republic? Will the debt Republicans capture the House or the Senate? 
But I think right after the midterms is when they start, candidates are going to start to run, especially like January 2023. You're going to see candidates do exploratory runs. And I think there's going to be a lot of progressives. There's going to be some moderates. We'll have to see who comes out. But the problem is the Democratic Party bench is very thin. It's either old white individuals or young, very progressive candidates. But America is not a center left country. Yeah. And their policies don't poll above 51%. Are you talking about Republican or Democrat? Democratic yeah. policies, the progressive policies of Medicare for all, defund the police, Green New Deal, all these issues, they don't poll that well. And you're going to see a lot of this summer when, like, I just filled up my tank of gas. The last time I was about 275, 280. Now it's almost. It was 295 for a gallon of gas. California is well over it's 435 for a gallon of gas. That's crazy. So you're going to see some challenges. And then you go into the winter with the, the Northeast needing heating oil. And that's going to be more expensive than it was the previous year. Even seeing a couple of posts on Facebook, I noticed people are paying a lot more for their food costs. The last time I was at your house, when we did our podcast, I spoke to your wife and she said, food costs have gone up dramatically. And I've noticed my food bill has gone up dramatically. So these are costs that are borne by the middle class. Inflation is that hidden tax that when your dollar doesn't carry as far as it once did and you got to pay more for things that comes out of your budget and we'll have to see how this plays out yeah and uh speaking of budget we probably are gonna need some money to keep this podcast going so we are gonna have a patreon coming up soon you guys to add and subscribe to it and just donate to the show we could definitely use it especially for some editing or even better video quality so that you guys can see that too. We're also working on our live stream and we want to have something up and running for you guys by July. Just so you guys get to see our brilliant smiling faces. And John, how can they reach us? You can reach us by going to Ubaldi reports at gmail.com. That's Ubaldi reports at gmail.com. Or you can go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, type in Ubaldi reports. If you go to your Facebook and type in Ubaldi reports, you can go to Ubaldi reports group and let us know what you think. And if you're on any of the streaming site like Apple, please leave a rate us and leave a comment and let us know what you think. Cause the more we get on those platforms, it boosts our post as well. Okay. So everybody have a good day and we will talk to you guys later. All right. Have a good day. Keep listening to you by the reports. Bye.